Hello everyone, once again, Monty and Mickey, the Pop Culture Podcast. Today, we're going to be talking the Dark Knight Trilogy. So we're going to walk through Batman Begins, The Dark Knight, and The Dark Knight Rises uh, to give you a little idea of, of how we're going to probably pattern our um, uh, episodes in the future. This this whole, especially when we're talking about broader topics, we're going to try to narrow it down to at least a trilogy or three movies um, moving forward, so that's that's what we're going to do today, and uh, especially movies that have been out for a while, right? And and that's what we did. So that's what we did for the Star Wars episode, the original trilogy, um, and we're planning on doing that again with the prequels and uh, and then the the latest movies as well. Um, but yeah, so it has been a while. Uh, we last recorded over a month ago, uh, so there's been a lot going on, but. Uh, before we get started, as we always like to do, just kind of talk about some things that are in the news or things that we've heard around uh, social media or the internet. I guess, Mickey, if you want to start out, I guess, anything that you've seen or heard or uh, things that are, are noteworthy, and those are a lot, so we're not going to be able to go over everything that's that's happened since the last episode, but uh, anything, anything specific? Um, not off the top of my head. You're usually better about having this stuff... Yeah, off off air we talked about uh, the new Thor movie. Oh yeah, oh yeah, you wanted me to mention that. Yeah, um, I think that's because we mentioned that in the last episode. Um, it will be called Love and Thunder, and it'll be coming out November fifth of twenty twenty one. And judging by the links that I've looked at and stuff, um, Jane Foster is going to be picking up the hammer. Um, what the heck's the name of that thing? Molnir. Yeah, Mol- I never Mol- remember that. Molnir. And it sounds like Valkyrie. Um, that they're gonna make that character officially bisexual. Yeah, and I, I don't know that uh, uh, Marvel has talked about uh, that. You know that they really they want to be able to uh, represent a wide variety of characters. So I think that that officially that'll officially be addressed. Uh, Cover every this, group in in this this movie. Yeah, um, but yeah, there's been a lot of announcements. D twenty three, one of the uh, basically Disney's Comic Con. Uh, they announced a ton of information about uh, the different um, uh, Disney Plus things that are coming out, and we might have touched on that. I think we might have touched on that the last episode. Yep, but it. since then, they've announced even more. Uh, today, they actually just released their uh, list of movies and TV shows that will be there on on their streaming service at launch date. Um, so well, I kind and of when they're coming out. Uh, not not well. Some of them they've re- they've announced the dates of when the new oh, okay. ones are coming out, but this is just like day one. This is the content that will be on there. Oh, I see. So they've got they've got a list of of what that is. Um, and I mean everything from Disney Channel original movies or DCOMs for those of us that are <laughs> millennials or younger or maybe a little bit older. Because um, big words are hard to say. Yeah, Disney Channel original movies. So that'll be you know your. You know, Smart House, Motocross, some of those other funny uh, Halloween Town, Halloween Town 2, Halloween Town High. That was the other thing. When I was going through this list, I realized, I mean, we talk about, you know, the uh, originality and some of that has gone out the window to in, in lieu of just a sequel or redo it. There's, the, what I realized is going through this and sorting it in alphabetic order. I mean, from the beginning, Disney has been doing this and it's not necessarily a bad thing because it's like, it's interesting to see uh, sequels and, and trilogies, but there's a lot of sequels in the Disney catalog. I mean, even within like the like, you know, Lion King. Like oh, even the cartoons. Like yeah. even even the, the like iconic the, the iconic cartoon. I mean, there's like 
there there was a Mulan two apparently yep. I yeah. didn't know about. That's the you thing know, they come it's up like, so holy cow too that you're just, like wow I didn't know there was two or three of those. Yeah, and I, I always find it hilarious because I think there was two there's two or three um, Lion Kings, but then there was a Lion King one and a half where it was just Timon and Pumbaa. <laughs> running around so I, I they, they kind, kind of like, like filling the gaps between one and two like the star wars christmas special yeah oh nobody wants to watch it's funny that you bring that up it's funny because it was such a bad movie <laughs> well not funny and haha funny but funny ironic funny john favre the guy who directed uh iron man favreau, favreau yeah. yeah the guy who's happy hogan yeah. and in he would like to direct and he directed the latest Lion King movie, the live-action Lion King movie, he said that he expressed an interest in either rebooting or doing a new Star Wars Christmas special that would be aired on really? Disney Plus. Just to make it now, less insulting to our intelligence. So, so, and I, and I, I, <laughs> I, I, I like this idea because because if anybody who's watched the original one, it it Ugh. was tremendously bad and we will definitely i think in one of the episodes star wars episodes we'll cover it and we don't want to go too far into it 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 was bad bad like i don't want to throw up on the microphone that's why we won't go too far it's a good thing it it was never like a feature-length film because they definitely would not have recovered from (laughs) that franchise it would have demolished yeah it was it was a basically a christmas special that aired on tv it was a television special it just didn't do do well and if you're a star wars fan it's one of those like you know, like Schindler's List, where you kind of got to see it, although Schindler's List was actually a good movie. It's like, a, this is like a car accident. You kind of want to see it just to say you did, and then you never want to see it again, and, right. or maybe even speak of it in some it's, cases. It's kind of a waste of your time, but it's also like a car wreck where you're just like, I can't, I can't stop looking at it. I mean, and it makes you feel like possibly you could be a better director. Right. And make better movies than they did in this, in this instance. So. Yeah. And we'll, I would definitely like to cover that in a, in a future episode, but... Um, so yeah, so Disney Plus, a lot of things coming out that that's going to be released November twelfth, I believe. Um, Spider Man in the MCU. This is one of those topics that I don't believe that we covered because it was so fresh after Spider Man Far From Home, and it took a while for this story to kind of develop and things to shake out. But essentially, and it went back and forth a couple times. Essentially, from what I understand, the latest that we were here is Spider-Man is not going to be in the MCU moving forward. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Spider-Man is a character, a franchise, uh, whatever you want to call it, licensed, owned by Sony. So way back in the day, and, and maybe we can get back into this in a Marvel episode, but essentially, way back in the day, Sony was offered certain Marvel rights. They decided to go and just get pursue uh, Spider-Man, so since then, since the Tobey Maguire days, they've owned the rights to Spider-Man. And up until this point with uh, the Spider-Man that we have seen in the MCU, uh, Sony has been able to strike a deal with Marvel or Disney and come up with a reasonable way to portray Spider-Man in the MCU. Uh, now, after everything that's happened and the contract new or whatever was going on, Phase, you know, the next phase of MCU, which wasn't going to include any Spider-Man standalone movies, anyways, or Avengers movies for that matter. Uh, they they said that they couldn't come to a conclusion, uh, come to an agreement about what they wanted to do, and so as far as I am understanding, Spider-Man is officially out of the MCU. Um, I guess we were not going to see him in any of the movies, and 
We will see... See, this is the thing that's weird. Tom Holland will... From what I understand, Tom Holland has the potential to still be making movies as Spider-Man, but under the Sony branch of things. Oh, yeah. Well, okay, he won't be in any MCU movies. They won't be referencing him, or he won't be tied into any, but he will start basically... It'll be a, a divergence. So I think I think we'll, in the future, uh, we'll categorize Spider-Man in terms of... MCU, like Tom Holland Spider-Man is in terms of MCU and, uh, and post-MCU or, or Sony and MCU. Because So the next movie that would come out wouldn't even be related to Far From Home at all. They wouldn't make reference to it or anything, most likely. I don't know how... Unless those, they're subtle. I don't know how those rights and those... those uh, you know, what what that, that all entails as far as what they can do and how far they can go. Um, but if I'm looking into my crystal ball and trying to figure out what's going to happen... Because Sony, I mean, There's obviously a lot Sony. Things than that to look for. It. Well, in the in the Marvel universe alone, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, that, that kind of crystal ball, my bad. Oh yeah, oh yes, 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 <laughs> yeah. I would be using it for other things besides trying to figure out what the next movie Tom <laughs> Holland would be starring in, probably. Um, but but yes, if I had a, a specifically MCU, Marvel, and Sony crystal ball, I would think because Sony is playing such hardball with this. They are planning on, or they would like to, create new movies in the future with Tom Holland. Oh, I'm sure. And so I see them exploring more of the, like, Sinister Six and going towards a Spider-Man alone universe that has all these, you know, rogues gallery of the villains. You know, you got your, you know, Doc Ock and, uh, you know, the, the the Sinister Six, basically, what we talked about before. I see them exploring that, and I also see them taking the Venom, the Tom Hardy Venom, and folding that into Tom Holland's story. That might keep me interested in those movies if they're not MCU related. And I can, because if you remember, they did not, they purposely, as Sony, as just Sony, not Marvel, they did not include anything that tied... Venom to the rest of the MCU. Yeah. Uh, besides the, uh, uh, what's his face, Stan Lee cameo that he's in all the Marvel movies, sure. but or he was, and so, anyways, that's that's kind of what we've been seeing in the news, and uh, and we've got a lot to cover today, so we'll try to try to keep it moving and try to keep it around the hour, hour and fifteen minute mark today. Um, but yeah, let's start out with Batman Begins. So. As I mentioned before, you've got this trilogy that starts out with a movie that, um, I believe, 2005, I think it went 2005, 2008, 2012. So you got to remember the climate of, of what you had for superhero movies at this point. You had Spider-Man, who was successful, and I believe that was late 90s, early 2000s, I believe, when it, there, there was like four of those, I think three or four of those that came out. And... Besides Tobey Maguire? I'm talking about just the Tobey oh, Maguire. Okay. And then, and and basically in this gap in between that and with the next Spider-Man uh, reboot. Um, so you've got Batman Begins. And, I, and so I was, I was 15. So I was in high school. Um, and being a Batman fan, I, I was a Batman fan back then. The crazy thing to me is... This movie never made an impression on me. I didn't see it in the theater. I wasn't excited about it. You were already I, a fan. I was a fan. I was I was a big you know I I but I think that the, during this time because there wasn't a whole lot of content that was coming out. Well, I, I was going to really... say even Marvel hadn't 
landed on this landmine, this this gold mine right. that they you know figured it out to the point where they have now. So the comic book movies were still just kind of here and there, and not the collective amazing thing that they become. And and that's and that's what we have to realize is when we're looking at these movies is and I and whenever I look at historical context and, and in big events and movies and pop culture, I like to really understand what the culture was going on, what was going on in the culture at the time. So you can't look at certain things and just pull them out of their 2005 culture and bring them in here and be like, "Wow, that sucked. That movie sucked." And it, it didn't do well when it was even when it first came out but you got to understand what the culture was so you had spider-man that was really successful and before that the only reference or the only like successful uh superhero franchise was the original 1989 through 2000 or uh, 97 i believe with those four movies that tried to basically that was the first attempt at what does it mean to have a superhero movie mm-hmm. what does this feel like how does this look how do we want this to Kind of because, you know, the comic books have always been huge, and it's always an expansive universe in in that specific print comic book world. But now you you're starting to bring these into like these feature length films, and and you know you got to remember even back then, and, and we will definitely go over those movies as well. But Tim Burton, the guy who directed you know Edward Scissorhands, mm-hmm. he directed the first two Batman movies, so the feel of them is completely different from what we are getting now and what we got for this Batman Begins. And what I do like and what they did well, that all being said and that this movie not being this blockbuster hit, is they did a really good job of developing the character of Bruce Wayne and understanding where he comes from. 1989 Batman, for everything that it was good for and all that we enjoyed about it, they kind of drop you into this. He was already in character. He yeah. is Batman now. Yeah. And you just kind of have to accept that. You have questions besides the fact that his parents died and all that. And which they, they revisit that, which they, they needed to. That yeah. that scene has to happen. Well, that's, in a everybody movie like knows this. that, has that knowledge. So you got to right. address it. Yeah. you you got to address it even though, yeah, it's it's kind of, by this point, even with the newer Batman movies, I believe, they they even redid it, but you had to you had to address that. So they addressed that. His motivation. His his motivation, right? Yeah. But usually it's kind of like you see that, and then you cut to Batman as Batman. Yeah. And this really took the time, probably uh, a third of the movie, maybe half the movie, to really develop. Okay, so he gets trained by the League of Shadows and Raj Al Ghul. Okay. It's he, the lead up to that character, right? You—he's not Batman at that time. He's kind of going and trying to find himself and, and figure out who he is and what he wants to be. And then, so you see all this—you see his physical training, his mental training—and then because he's the billionaire playboy that he is, as Bruce Wayne, he's able to leverage his money and the people that work for him, namely Lucius Fox and Alfred, to help develop his tech okay so but, batman but, but before we sorry to interrupt but before we go on any further into that was the league of shadows in the comic books or other movies i mean did they ever really address that because i don't remember hearing about it so the league of and shadows I the and i and i haven't really extensively read the the comics either from what i understand the league of shadows has been addressed in uh comic books and in the animated series okay. some of the animated it series, was addressed it's been addressed how yes. in depth we don't know yeah and this is just like the rest of the batman movies Another take on these characters. Clearly, Selena Kyle and Hathaway is a completely different Selena Kyle 
Catwoman, Michelle Pfeiffer. Oh, exactly. And their origin story, everything's different. So this is another kind of, this is how we introduce the League of Shadows. And as we go forward, and, and anybody who's watched the movie realizes that this League of Shadows, these characters are actually going to be play a main role throughout the movie, or throughout the franchise, Seriously. and wrap it up at the end. And so what you come to understand is, this is where Batman comes from. He under he he right away draws a hard line. I'm not going to kill. Okay, but so does that mean he graduated from them, or is he technically part of them, or did he just kind of make a clean break? He he essentially busted out of there the only way that he could have Almost without being killed himself. Burning it down. Basically. Yeah, he yeah. he said, "I'm not going to kill this man." I'm, and then he used some. I things appreciate to try your training, but I don't agree with your philosophy right. and on, they would never have let him leave it's kind of like a gang or anything else they would have never let him leave alive with what he knows and and the training that he received yeah so um so he busts out and then he, he how did he i'm sorry again but how did he explain where he went during his training because all of a sudden he just took off nobody really knew did? no um Including there's alfred. even lines in the in the dark knight rises where alfred talks about how he had no idea where he went um uh, Rachel had no idea where he was. Just hiatus. Just he actually, like, he contacts Alfred and gets a, a jet flown out to this Asian country that he's he's living in. And Alfred basically says something along the lines of, you know, it's going to be a lot of work. It's a lot of paperwork to bring somebody back to life. Because I believe that they even pronounced him dead. Like, they just were like, he's he's dead. Well, you There's haven't no seen way. him in so long. Like, we, he's a billionaire. Right. I mean, and so other people are running his company. You know he's got other other things going on, other other parts, and so he has to come back, and then he becomes Bruce Wayne again, and gets into this whole whole thing, and um, so and we're leaving out a, a lot, but like I said, there's there's a ton to cover today, so we'll we'll just kind of hit the highlights, um, but essentially, I think what makes this movie not as good as it could have been, partially, is the fact that one, you have a origin stories movie which people find boring and mundane in some ways which i thought it was interesting but i think more than that the two main villains that they chose to portray which i guess you could actually say three with victor zaz i don't know if you caught that person he's actually a batman villain in a lot of the other stuff i've heard the name yeah um but so you've got zaz scarecrow and uh raja ghoul those are not the characters that the, the either the casual Batman fan or like not it's somebody who just off the street could not name a single thing well, about Scarecrow those characters. Scarecrow might be somewhat familiar, right. but the other two you've never even you right. can't even pronounce the name most likely. So you don't got the Penguins, you don't got the Riddlers, Harley Quinn, Catwoman. You don't have any of these main big hitters, so to speak, of the Rogues Gallery, literally of Batman's. Uh, nemesis and his his uh, villains, and so I think that partially uh, hurt the film. And then you've be, the whole plot is that Raj al Ghul is working with the Scarecrow to create this fear toxin that he's going to release in, or he did already release into the water supply, and then use the uh, Wayne Technologies tech to vaporize it into the air to create this essentially. Uh, arm, arm, armonize or arm the the fear toxin to, uh, you know, have all of these Gothamites, these these people, just rip themselves apart, and 
the whole idea behind the League of Shadows and what they talk about and what their goal is, is they're basically a covert operation that doesn't operate under any type of country or, or, organiza- or organization. They, they are there to right the wrongs. They see Gotham City as a city that is not worth or capable of saving. Uh, they, they, he, he mentions that the fire in London was them, the sacking of Rome, all these main, you know, huge events throughout history to kind of correct the path. And they, they were just kind of like this God figure that go in and infiltrate and use their influence to either start new, completely tear down and start new or change the course of history in the way that they feel in and we've talked about this before they're kind of kind of like a thanos character yes i was just going to say that philosophy parallels thanos exactly yeah that they believe what they're doing is right and is for the greater good um and i guess that's kind of all i want to say about the batman begins is that first movie but Mickey, do you have anything else to kind of add to to that or any to, questions? To kind of contradict you, actually, as far as superhero movies at the time, um, that was my favorite Batman movie that I'd ever seen. Okay. And probably up in the top three of any superhero movie I'd seen. Oh, okay. I All liked right. the fact that he was developed as a human being, and y- you saw his motivation, what he was inspired by, the, the, the fact that he wanted to be... Um, he was a bit vengeful, you know, and he, he wants to... Um, make up for his parents' deaths and all that stuff. I, I liked that development, and and Christian Bale nailed it. And and even the Scarecrow character, like you say, he comes from a good place. He was a good guy. He was the hero of the city, and he became evil because he was burned and all that stuff. And he became a little bitter, and so suddenly he's become a villain. But it's a gray area, and that's what I like about all three of these movies: how they develop these characters right. to be gray. They're not. Oh, it's just evil versus good. Oh, even Batman is kind of considered a gray area kind of character because even right. the city hates him at some point. So I thought it was really well done. I understand what you're saying about these, because I even wrote a note about these villains not being mainstream and people don't really know them. But I thought the Scarecrow was very well done because it was yeah. creepy and, you know, the, the burn marks and all that stuff. And It was a, it was a, a welcomed uh, take, reboot, whatever you want to yeah. call it, of the character. It was refreshing. There has never was. been, as, as far as my knowledge, there has never been a live-action Scarecrow portrayed. So this is their first time trying to portray a, a, a pretty complex character. But I think that, yes, I, I would he I would agree. They, they did a good job with it. They did a good job portraying And I love Christian Bale as Batman. I, I, he's my favorite. Yeah, and I think that there's a lot of people that would say... Their that he is their their favorite representation out of all the franchises. My only question is, does it hurt his voice the way he talks when he's Batman? Because all of a sudden it's a lot deeper, and it's like, hey, did you have some cigarettes before you got in the costume? Or I thought that they addressed that at one point, either in this one franchise or a different one, that he had a voice changer or that he was supposed to be. Maybe puberty comes into him when he's got the costume on. I don't know. I think I think they got a lot of criticism in the second movie, so in the third movie they kind of laid off a little back on it. Yeah, because it seemed a little dramatic at at times. Right. Right. Uh, but yeah, so you got that ending with Batman uh, killing Raj al Ghul and uh, the Scarecrow getting locked up. And one of the best ending scenes, and I don't even think it was a post credit scene, it was just an ending scene that kind of helped do what Marvel would end up doing in the future with their post credit scenes is this famous uh, meetup with Commissioner Gordon and Batman. 
and they got the they got the new bat signal and the, and he's standing there and he's like yeah we've got this other guy uh, that's starting to cause some problems and he's leaving a calling card and they don't even actually I don't think they address maybe they do maybe they say he calls himself the Joker but they just give this he gives him this Joker card and it's kind of like okay so we know we're getting a Joker and Gordon didn't know who Batman was yet right. Gordon doesn't actually know who he might the be true identity. He might be figuring it out, but he doesn't yeah. know for sure. That he doesn't know until the very end of Dark Knight Rises. Yeah, that's right. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, so you've got that going on, and so then it's it's two thousand five, two thousand eight rolls around, and for anybody who uh, is understanding of superhero movie um, timeline, two thousand eight was a huge year. In terms of superhero movies. So, Batman, or The Dark Knight comes out. First first Batman movie to not be have Batman in the title. And Heath Ledger's starring role as the Joker. Uh, he dies before the movie even premieres. There's all this media, all this hype that's going around that. But what we need to remember is that the first Iron Man came out that same year. So as the DC Batman Dark Knight trilogy was crescendoing, was was reaching its peak, the Marvel Universe was literally in its infancy and just starting. And I don't think people disliked Iron Man. I think a lot of people enjoyed that movie. But because of how big the Dark Knight was, it kind of cast a shadow over that first initial Iron Man movie. And nobody had any idea that Iron Man was going to lead to the 23 other movies. Right. That, that was a huge, amazing yeah. storyline to ahead. And and like I said, I, I would, I, Iron Man's a great movie. I, yeah, I have no complaints really well about done. it. But when you've got movies like this coming out, and then on top of that, uh, The Incredible Hulk comes out, the uh, Edward Norton one yeah. comes out that same year. So Iron Man and Incredible Hulk actually came out in 2008. So... I do remember this one. I think a lot of people do. I don't like this was a big deal from what you know. I, I was in high school. I was a I was a senior. Or I had graduated. This is the the summer after I graduated. It came out in July, I believe, two thousand eight. I went and saw the movie. I don't I don't think it was like you know opening weekend or anything. But I knew about it. I wanted to be intentional about seeing it in the movie theater. I remember I went with a buddy of mine, and uh, I just remember. I uh, just broke up with a girl, and I was watching the movie, and I remember uh, Rachel dies, and I'm just like, my life sucks, it's so bad, why even the cops this are corrupt, everybody, everybody is, like, there needs to be something good in the world, um, but I, I mean, obviously I remember it being a great movie, and Heath Ledger, I mean, this, nailed I, it. this movie, I believe, from what I understand, was one of the first, if not the first movie a superhero genre to win an Oscar. Like, oh, I didn't even realize it did. Well, yeah, it was nominated for a bunch of awards, and I think it won, like, two Oscars. And that's, first of all, it. I mean, from what I've, from everything, everything I've understood, it led to his death. He got so far into character. He yeah. nailed the sociopath part of it. Right. And it had the feel, as I'm watching it, you know, I, I like a lot of um, abnormal psychology. I mean, that's kind of my background as far as education and stuff. It reminded me of some of these serial killer movies I've watched. Because right. he, I mean, th this isn't a supernatural kind of being. It's just someone who's been through, and, and the stories he tells are very believable, which explains his cracked makeup and all that stuff. He's just a flawed, flawed human being with major issues. And then he tells another story, and you're like, oh, 
I don't know what to believe now. But right. man, they're so believable as to why right. he's such a sociopath, and he nails it. I mean, it it took his life. He dedicated himself to that character so much. I believe I, in anybody who uh, remembers this time or went and saw it or was paying attention to what the media was saying about this movie at the time. I think a lot of people uh, thought to themselves, "How how could you top Jack Nicholson's?" Oh yeah, performance as the Joker because, in, and like I said, this is you're really starting to develop because I mean, since then we've got one more Joker, um, but you're really starting to like define what it means to be a superhero movie and how they can be legitimate with serious, good quality movies. Like this is this is the beginning of what I would say as the 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 golden age or whatever you want to call it of superhero cinema and how they were able to prove like just because it's a comic book story does not mean that we it it's a bad movie well and it's stan lee's the character he developed over the years as he became a bigger and bigger comic him and jack kirby as they developed more and more of these huge iconic characters they wanted you to see them the human side of them and that's what movie can bring to life as much as anything right and they've nailed it in the mcu especially but i also think dc should take these three batman movies as their template and that's i mean they they can mimic what mcu has done too and they they could mimic it but they could also like you said use it as a template and pull from what they did right in these movies yeah and what we make their own version of it yeah it's especially in these first two movies what this what this movie feels like and how it kind of plays out is a cop drama like mm-hmm. that like at its core like that's what it feels like and you gotta remember obviously DC, yeah like a serial killer movie that's yeah yeah exactly. like a, like if we're hunting the serial killer like a even you know zodiac killer or any of those mm-hmm. other movies but at the core i mean detective comics dc comics that's what it stands for so batman is a detective and he works very closely with the police force with commissioner gordon and Harvey Dent, Harvey Dent, and 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 Rachel, and all these people that he works with, intimately to the point where he's going to other countries to extradite an, a foreign national so that the cops can take care of him. Not that he wants to go beat him up back in the back cave, but he wants to use this to put other criminals away. And he understands that if you work within the system, if you can go outside of it sometimes to to get these things to work, it's going to do more good. And that's why he wants to stay in the shadows too, because he doesn't want the heroism that goes along. Right. With it. He just wants it to be off the street. He wants. His ultimate goal is to have Gotham kind of stand up for themselves, and you know, use his inspiration to to pull themselves out of this this bad place that they're in. And what I would like to, what I kind of call this, or what I what I see this as, um, more so even than the original Spider-Man movies. Excuse me. Is this is. These this Dark Knight trilogy, it's a street level uh, superhero movie, and what I mean by that is none of the characters in any of the three movies have supernatural abilities. Everything can be explained by science or technology or connections with uh, other mobsters and organized crime. All of this, the the main antagonists are people who do not are not aliens, are not superpowers, are not gods. And that used to be a turnoff for me in the MCU. Because you watch movies like The Avengers and you're like, okay, these aliens are coming in now. And you're just like, all these, like, what I would say, like, like cityscape level or, like, high-rise level, you know, space level threats that come in. Like, 
if you boil it down to what this is, it's one city, one bad guy who's causing all this chaos in, in this movie, especially with, with, uh, with Heath Ledger's Joker. And the heroes, as you're saying, it, what I like, like, again, the gray area, the good trying to balance over the fine line of justice. Right. And, you know, sometimes we got to, you know, fudge it a little bit in order to get the thing done. And, I mean, that's the element that makes these three movies so great. It's it's good versus bad, ethical versus unethical. It, it, they're very much called out, even with the, the villains. They come from a good place originally, but like, right. and I think I misspoke when I talked about Scarecrow. Two-Face is the one who was burned, and he just became bitter. Right. He tried so much to do right, and it didn't work, so it's like, you know what, I'm going to do it my own way now, and right. he became a villain as a result, and that's right. the gray area I love, because like you said, these are non-superhero, non-supernatural kind of heroes. So And you, so you can't explain away, well, Thor's got his hammer, so he's just going to mm-hmm. beat up everybody with it, and he's the god of thunder. Like, you can't explain those things away, and that's these what makes... people. They're just that, people. That's what makes Batman and... and if you take Batman away from the Justice League, because as soon as you put him in the Justice League, he becomes a superhero, a Avenger. St- it becomes an Avengers style, and I don't yep. mean that in any disrespect to the Justice League and what they stand for and how unique those characters are. But those characters, all of them, have supernatural abilities, unrealistic abilities Un- the, in, in yeah. our world. Right. So, I mean, if you boil it down to, you could even go as far, and I have gone as far to say, that Batman is not a superhero. He does not have supernatural powers. He's, and maybe some of the things that he does is unrealistic. He's but got amazing resources with wealth and... and, and knowledge and, and, and uh, physical ability. And, and connections. And the, yeah, exactly. So, that really differentiates what this, this franchise did. Um, is they and even even I think in the earlier ones in the the early nineties, this is this is not and you see that that the Joker is limited by what he has. He's not even I mean he's he's doing things that he even talks about you know matches and and gasoline. Those are some of my favorite things because they're so simple and cheap. And you know that's that's what he he does. He doesn't he doesn't call a spaceship down. So just kind of wanted to go off on that tangent for a little bit to just kind of you know have us think about that in a different way that this is a different style of superhero movie um so yeah so you've got the joker trying like really quickly the joker uh trying to get rid of the batman just because he he thinks it's a fun game like it's not like that he has a specific goal he goes to the mob he says i'll kill the batman for you you got to give me half but that's after he steals from the mob from a mob bank um, I didn't realize this, but in I Am Legend, if you went to see it uh, in 2012, or this this movie came out in 2012, which, by the way, is the same year that The Avengers come out, oh, So, yeah. which is crazy because that... Or no, this is 2008. I'm sorry. The next one was 2012. Um, but, so, if you go to see the I Am Legend in uh, IMAX theater, that whole opening sequence... That was 2007. That one was in 2007? I am legend, okay. yeah, yeah. So if you went to see that movie in the IMAX theater, paid your 20 bucks or whatever for a ticket, the they actually, not just a preview, but they actually showed you the opening sequence with the Joker bank heist. So that opening scene where you see him do the whole, uh, you know, well, you did your job, now I'm going to kill you, and you did da 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 and he gets on the bus and runs like. If you were a lot live during that time, excuse me, you had an opportunity to go there 
And from what I understand, some people were paying 20 bucks literally to just, for just see that. They got up and left after that. No kidding. They didn't watch I Am Legend, which I Am Legend is a good movie. I think yeah. it's, it's a pretty decent movie. But they went there specifically to see that scene because this movie had been hyped up so much. Really? And I also heard, um, like I said, I wish I would have paid attention more when this all was going down. But uh, they did a teaser trailer, one of the first movies that they did, or trailers that they did for this movie the batman logo comes up and I, I don't know how they did it or what the the filmography or whatever they did all you hear though in the, the dark knight all you hear is like a slow and then it builds a joker laugh like if you go and look like those teaser trailers like heath ledger joker laugh which awesome like, yeah. you, you really, I mean, and anybody who's a Batman fan, anybody who remotely knows anything, Joker is the main villain. He's yeah. the guy who is most in conflict with Batman. Well, he's got his own movie coming out now. I mean, right. and I didn't even I, mention that. We should, we, yeah, we should talk about that towards the end. I should, we should remember to talk about that because that got some good... I want to see that very badly. Yeah. Um, but, so, you've got the Joker, and he's working with the mob. And he's doing all these things about killing people if Batman doesn't show his face and there's some other things. And then eventually you get to the point where uh, the it's it's a whole complex. And this is the thing about, about these movies in particular and the way Christopher Nolan does this. Because even if you watch a movie like Inception, you have to pay attention. Oh. There's a lot going on. The script is very, like I've heard it been described, they do not waste scenes. Like there's intentional information being shot at you all the time there's no filler yeah scenes. if you miss 10 minutes you're gonna have some questions yeah there's gonna be things that you don't understand and even even while you're going through it it might take two or three times watching it to fully grasp what's going on yeah but you've got the whole cat and mouse thing with the joker and then he ends up uh shooting what you, what you think ends up killing commissioner gordon commissioner gordon isn't really alive or isn't really dead batman comes to save him uh then then he gets put in jail, the Joker, which turns out that was his plan all along. Yep. Rachel gets taken by dirty cops. Uh, uh, Harvey Dent gets taken by dirty cops. They get put someplace that around a bunch of explosives. And while the Joker's in prison, which that prison scene, that interrogation scene by Batman and Christian Bale probably up there is one of the best sequences in the superhero movie of all time mm-hmm. it, it was very good that the lines the dialogue i mean you really get to see the full potential of a heath ledger joker in the, in those moments and the anger and the uh, the the sociopathic ways of him come out and in christian bale you can see there's the, the anger, frustration the, the, the writhing yeah. fury that yeah and and very so, good actors both of them so one of the things that I don't know if a lot of people understood or, or really like caught is that in that moment, so the whole the whole sequence happens, and then um, we're told that you know Rachel's in one area, uh, Harvey Dent's in another area. Okay, you only have time to save one of them. Okay, which is actually a pretty common thing I think for Batman. Like even if you go to like Batman Forever. Like, he's got to choose between Sophie's two choice. people. That's yeah. his Sophie's choice that he always has to deal with. Yeah. And so, he tells Batman the, the, the addresses of each of them. He says, Rachel's here, Harvey Dent's here. Knowing that he's going to go save Rachel. 
But what he does is he gives him the opposite addresses. So Batman says to Commissioner Gordon, I'm going to go save Rachel. You go get Harvey Dent. Well, Batman doesn't realize it. He's actually going to save Harvey Dent because when uh, the Joker shows up at that um, fundraiser and sees how Batman just throws himself at Rachel, he's like, oh, pfft. This guy's like head over heels for yeah, Rachel, so he's gonna go. He's gonna go Rachel. So I'm gonna tell him Rachel's is actually Harvey Dent location, and then Harvey Dent ultimately turns into Two Face. I would have liked to have seen that character played out a little bit more. Yeah, because he, I think he's he really, really interesting. Well. I yeah. think I think it could have been. I think some people were even speculating that he was gonna come back in the third one. That's that what he wasn't I was actually hoping dead. for because I hadn't seen the third one yet. And honestly, I always make Star Wars references because I'm a bit of a Star Wars geek. If, if I haven't made that clear. Um, Harvey Dent's transformation into Two-Face kind of reminds me of Anakin Skywalker turning into Darth Vader. Yeah. It kind of has those Some parallels, parallels. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that whole sequence, I mean, you've got literally a cross-dressing Heath Ledger <laughs> pointing a, a revolver at him and, like, you know, introduce some anarchy. And his whole, um, you know, his coin that he had... It was a lucky coin was actually a two-faced coin or a, a same the coin had the same Face heads on each side sides, yep. but after the accident ended up being all marred up and scratched and and burnt on one side so he uses that in which classic two-face anybody that knows anything about two-face that is what he does he's got his coin that he, he he's kind of like a quasi uh joker in that sense where he's just kind of like leaving it to chance and kind of this crazy kind of you know thought process that there's no the plan is to let the the coin decide let evil take over and so he goes on his spree of killing a, a couple co- dirty cops and mobsters and batman ends up he's able to get um the joker and there's been a lot of speculation on whether or not heath ledger would have made an appearance in the third one if he still was alive I, I don't know. It's it's very hard to play that what if game, and what was going to happen because supposedly, I mean, your your assumption is he doesn't kill the Joker, so morality wins. They don't blow up the other ship, the other crew or other transport ship, and you know morality wins. The the people showed them that they don't have to be evil, and your assumption is the Joker goes back to Arkham or Blackgate or wherever. Okay. Or not back to, I guess he would he would go there. Then yeah, he got the he first. got captured, yeah. and then Two Face uh, tries to take uh, the life of Commissioner Gordon's son because he blames him. He can blames Commissioner Gordon for the death of Rachel, which they were engaged, I believe, at that time, yep. or the, or he had talked about it, and yeah. she said it's they complicated. Dating, they were yeah. dating, um, and before all of this, uh, he. Rachel gives a uh, note to Alfred and says, you know, basically, I'm choosing Harvey Dent. I can't be with you, Bruce Wayne. Um, that comes into play a little bit later. But essentially, Alfred, know, like after Rachel dies, he can't give that information to Bruce Wayne because that would kill him, that this person is actually dead. Like, he just, he just, the truth is just too hard to bear. And Alfred's basically become his father figure. Right. And speaking of that, I, I like that they have Alfred free of speech not afraid to call batman out on his issues and when he's right. making mistakes and in my sense of sarcasm i like his sarcasm i mean right. there, there, he brings a bit of humor to the movie that is otherwise a very dark movie as the dark knight right it this is not your 
wowie kabammy go get him robin feel like good. that's not that's not the feel that you get this is definitely a darker mo- uh, movie franchise and a lot of people don't realize this and, and i like that they kind of played into this a little bit alfred pennyworth is ex like uh british special ops mm-hmm. like he's a badass in his own right like by Not no just means special ops. like it by no means is alfred pennyworth uh old fogey that just gets you know bruce wayne his tea in the morning like this guy knows some things yeah. and he's very like as much as he is uh, a butler he is more so i think bruce wayne's uh he's mentoring he's a he's a mentor and he's a he's a counselor to help out with with what he's trying to accomplish military background i mean yeah who's better to train somebody um and also uh so uh, is it maggie gyllenhaal yep that's what i wanted to bring up yeah that's the only problem i had maybe with the entire three movies is that they went from Katie Holmes to Maggie Gyllenhaal. And I, I think both actresses are great, but I'm thinking Katie Holmes' price was too high or she just wasn't interested in the next movie. There was a couple different things that were said about that. I guess one one theory is that she was never she was never asked to come back or that oh. she she the price was too high. Another one said that because she was having some issues with uh, some big public issues with Tom Cruise at the sure, time, they didn't want to involve himself. They didn't want to involve that into the franchise so they they just left so i don't i don't know those two actresses just they don't remind me of each other at all yeah they're both attractive beautiful women in their own right and they both nailed the parts but i I like to see the same actors and actresses you know carrying on throughout the series of the movies you know yeah and i I think only disappointment and they've done that a couple times in the mcu we've talked about that but they um, don't have any choice in some cases sometimes it's yeah you gotta you gotta recast but um, what's interesting is I didn't really, I mean, I obviously recognized the last name of Gyllenhaal, but I didn't realize that she was brother or sister with uh, Jake Gyllenhaal, yeah. who then ends up being Mysterio. But that's kind of a cool, you know, that's a cool tie-in. I do, I think she did a good job. They have I something think. to talk about at Christmas. They've been yeah. in superhero. Right. right. And yeah, they've, they've definitely had a successful career. there's nothing else to talk about, I'm sure. Yeah. Right. Um, but yeah, so you, you've got this. Just giant movie, you know, this this big blockbuster of a movie that really, you know, between this and and Iron Man, they kind of just set the scene for what it means to be a superhero movie going forward. And of course, because all good franchises have trilogies, you have The Dark Knight Rises that then comes out. So, I believe 2012 is when Dark Knight Rises comes out. So you've actually got all of these Marvel movies as a backlog that are starting to build up. And I believe in 2012, the first Avengers comes out. So you, you kind of have an understanding and a com, uh, competing uh, interest in what it means to be a superhero movie. Uh, nonetheless, I remember being very excited for this movie. Uh, I was just... I was in an internship, actually. Um, like Spider-Man? Yeah, Stark internship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I wish. That'd be a lot more interesting. Um, but I had an internship, and that was the summer in between my my fourth year and my fifth year of school. I would, just got my master's degree in that in that fourth and fifth year. But um, I remember being very excited to see it, being a Batman fan and everything that I that I was uh, very excited to see it. But I did not see it on opening opening weekend because at the time I was dating somebody who was like I was li- I was living in 
uh, out of state and she was coming to visit and so I was waiting for her to, to watch the movie with her. But I remember going to see it in an IMAX and being super excited about it. I remember there was uh, you know a bunch of marketing things going on, posters and fran- or mer- merchandise, everything going on. So a lot at of the potential time. for letdown because it was built up so much, especially yeah. in your own head. Yeah, and I think that I think that people at the time even they were saying, "How can you possibly top what we just witnessed as?" Heath, I mean, and I and I really I keep saying it as Heath Ledger Joker. I mean, because that was that made he that was the movie. basis of the movie. Yeah, you know, so so how could you top that? And what the best way I heard described is because I had friends who saw it before before I saw it, and I didn't want any spoilers, obviously. But I heard it described. One of my one of my friends said, "You can't." really like truly compare the dark knight and the dark knight rises to each other because they are different movies and i think that holds up today go go further that's not real deep so far the character of bane and catwoman they have just a completely different feel when you see them on the screen and again gray areas i mean coming from decent places especially they they're definitely obviously it's it's batman it's traditional batman it's superhero movies but when i look at i like both of these movies um very much but when i look at them they're just they are different types of movies they're 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 batman they're superhero but it's really the joker as a villain does not do the same things that Bane as a villain does. Well, and he's more traditional um, as far as society's norms and stuff. We we know Joker as his main villain, so that one, I think what I know what you're saying is more of what you expect in a Batman movie as well right. as they did it. And, and, I mean, they still found new ways to make it gray areas and all that stuff and, and personalize these characters and make them human. But as you're saying, the next one, Especially Catwoman with the spin they had with Anne Hathaway, they made her totally different. And the fact that they end up teaming up, basically, right. you know, I mean, just right. totally different spin than you than you're used to. And I and it it was just it was good and it was it was different in in ways that I I don't know that I was expecting, but there's still this cop, you know, working with the police force. There's still that kind of but they don't really lean on it as much. Mm-hmm. There's there's just a little bit of it's it's kind of it's a little bit separated. It's more about the characters. Even even with Joseph Gordon Lovett's character in there. Which I thought he was great in this. Yeah. That, he's a versatile actor. Yes. But coming coming from Third Rock on this Third Rock from the Sun. Yeah. This guy can do it all. Yeah. I was I, really impressed with him as well. I I think they did they did a great job. Um so right away you get introduced uh, to the concept that Batman once again is kind of a recluse. I believe, did they say seven or eight years since the Harvey Dent died? And Harvey Dent Act puts away a bunch of criminals. And the city's kind of looking down on Batman like he's a bad guy. And he, yeah, if, the big thing that we didn't didn't mention is that, and obviously for anybody who's watched the movies knows this already, but he took the fall for Harvey Dent's death and for those other cops and some other things. He was take he took that because. That was what needed to happen in order to not tarnish Harvey Dent's name, which is why he created the Batman character in the first place. Right to be the, in the shadow, the, he could he could take that he could take that you know blame, and so the Harvey Dent Act, from what I understand of of kind of 
what we get from this movie is it's cleaned up the city. So this is not the first two movies are they you could call them this cop drama mob movie. There's no mob. No. In in the third movie, the mob has pretty much been uh, cleaned up or put in jail or whatever. Like you don't really get a sense of that at all. Um, so you get to see that opening scene with Bane and the plane and that was it's amazing beautiful the cinematography that that yes. i mean cuz i hadn't see, i'd seen the other two movies before this podcast i i hadn't seen that one and i that first scene i'm like okay i'm in i've already fallen in love with the other two i mean even batman begins i as i already spoke of holy cow yeah does that grab your attention like you're sucked in immediately and um, what they did with, especially with these last two movies, they used IMAX cameras to film this. So you get that, and, and and for some people that matters, some people that doesn't really matter. I don't really care. You know, some people say, you know, uh, it doesn't matter if it's 720p or 4K or 1080p, whatever. But if you've got a Blu-ray copy, you can see like this is this is different. This is very high quality. Like that opening scene with the the plane and everything, and I. I love as much as the Joker, as much as I love the Joker and what he was and and how he talked. I love the character of Bane. Bane and the way he talks. Yeah, I love that like muffled like you know I I can't I'd, I'd be doing I'd be doing a probably not doing a very good job yeah. like recreating it but like you know the the whole like the fire rises you know yeah. like, like that whole like. And that the that it's like through this ventilator, but like he's got this like mysteriousness. It, is it mysterious? He, he you know he's framed as a mercenary that goes in basically, you know, stirs things up, and he's working with some people back in Gotham to try to like you know they're talking about diamond mines and all these other things that kind of play into this. Again, very complex, a lot of things going on movie where it all ties together at the end, but you're just like okay cool there's this scientist and they're pumping blood into this corpse that's going to be on the plane and you're like why are they doing this you find out later it's because they're going to take dna and they want to make sure that they tie him to this crash because they want this they want everybody to believe the scientist is dead but this the cia guys who are trying to to you know get this this pavlo i think his name is that something like that you know to because his whole shtick is he is a scientist who learned how to use a fusion reactor that Wayne Enterprises developed for clean energy and convert that into a nuclear bomb or an atomic bomb that is like would be very, very devastating. So the CIA, Bane, everybody's trying to get in on this because they know the power of this. Some people want it for good. Some people want it just to stop. And so... You've got all of this packed into that very opening scene. And, and some people say that the bank heist scene was better than this scene. I think this scene, first time watching it, is confusing, but I liked it. It grabbed my attention more than the bank heist scene. As, as good, well right. done as the bank heist scene was, this grabs your attention. The bank heist scene's a little bit more straightforward. You think, yeah. okay, uh, Joker just wants money, you know, whatever. And it turns and then out you it's see a little him. bit more, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, so 
you've got that, and then you go to uh, you kind of see Selena Kyle in the mansion, and they talk about oh what happened to Batman. He's been a recluse. He's got long nails and facial scars and all this, <laughs> and you really get to dive into who the character of Selena Kyle. And I don't even think they end up calling her Catwoman. They call him like a cat burglar. And yeah, they never really call her One of the man. newspaper articles. But she, you get to see this version of Catwoman, which I liked. I think that they did a good job of portraying it. There are certain things that I, I would like to have seen differently. Yeah, I think, like I said, Michelle Pfeiffer did a really good job, and it's hard to compete with that. But Anne Hathaway did a good job for, for what this is. If, if I had to like pick my favorite characters of like villains, I'd say... You know, Heath Ledger, Joker, Michelle Pfeiffer, uh, Catwoman, uh, Tom Hardy, Bane. Like, you know, you can't jump back and forth. and Which still, like I said, they, they did a good job with her establishing the fact that she's a cat burglar. That she is got these skill, different skills and aerobatics. And but she's she also kind of liberated and, and trying to... She's right. trying to make a difference in the right way. And the sex appeal is there. That character is very much about sex appeal. Right. And Michelle Pfeiffer nailed it. But I think Anne Hathaway really did well with that, too. And, and yeah, and, and that's the thing. The, the tight leather costumes and all these things. And, and people, anybody, you know, they, they talked about Margie Robert as uh, the uh, Harley Quinn and how, you know, geez, it was just so sexualized. And what people need to realize... I have no problem with that. I think she nailed that, too. And I, <laughs> what pe- what main reason the, I watched that movie. Right. You know, that, that definitely doesn't hurt ticket sales. No. <laughs> but what you need to realize is that's who these characters are. Like, if you go and watch the, 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 the animated series, or if you go read the comics, like, this is who they are. This is the type of people they are. Catwoman is a love interest of Batman, and that's what makes it so difficult for Batman to do his job is because he's on one distracted hand, by love he's got right. her who she's flipping back and forth from doing the right thing to doing the bad thing and helping out Batman sometime and hurting Batman sometime and working with the Joker you know so she's got all these flipped alliances and so but you there's kinda, that chemistry between them but at the core of it yeah there's there's a chemistry there's this you know interest that Bruce Wayne has with Selena Kyle and so you see this right away and see this portrayed. And what I what I found interesting that kind of picked up on today that I didn't really realize. Somebody pointed out that uh, those pearls are the same pearls that like Bruce Wayne's mom had the night that she died. Doesn't he say that when she first steals them? She she he says something about those were my mom's pearls, but oh, he I didn't go know. Into it for a very yeah. Far. So that kind of just makes it even more. But you knew they had sentimental meaning to him, right? Even if you had, you don't put a that. tracker and or a you know a GPS tracker in just any piece of jewelry. Well, and then know? the fact that he lets her go, right, is more testament to him having this interest, you know, this bond with her or whatever, you know. Yeah, exactly. Is that he? Yeah, he's more willing to not, you know, and at that point he's he's a little bit injured and using a cane and everything, <laughs> um, but. So, so you see that, um, and you start to get these new characters developed that kind of start filling in the gaps of what's going on. She steals his fingerprints because she was trying to sell them uh, so that she can get this clean slate device, which from my understanding is just a kind of like a USB program that you plug into a computer and it erases all of your criminal history, which... Kind of far fetched. I get it though. You don't have one of those. Oh, not. <laughs> oh, you don't have a criminal history, I guess. Oh, that yeah, not that you know of yet. No. But, okay, good. <laughs> um, so 
we've got this character who's got this clear motivation. This is what she wants to do. Her motivation is to start new. She wants this clean slate. She she has that line that she talks about any 12-year-old with a phone can look you up and see what your record is and what you've done. She's got an extensive criminal record. She has a very clear motivation. She's even scared of Bane. She warns the cops about him. She warns Batman about him. And so that character, you know, is it's good for a Batman movie to have these other characters. I think that what makes a good Batman movie is the villains and the 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 uh, allies that Batman has. Like, I think that really helps to uh, allow Batman to be who he really is go, and, kind of and see those and relationships. Behind the line or behind the scenes and stuff yeah. and be the dark knight as he is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so then this whole complicated storyline, like I said, it, and anybody who's, who hasn't seen it, go out and watch it. Uh, but Very well done, all three movies. Yeah, all, like, like we talked about, all three of them very well done. But this very, you know, complex storyline that, you know, basically Bane uses those fingerprints to then uh, fake stock trades that go on at the Gotham stock market so that it kind of tanks his shares and... Then this other guy gets control of the company so that he can uh, use it to basically be, throw out uh, Bruce Wayne and become the, the head of the, the Wayne Enterprises. And in the meantime, though, Bane, who, and I love this scene, he's, he's sitting there and he's talking to um, uh, Haggett? No, Daggett. 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 He's talking to Daggett and he goes, you know, he's he's there and Daggett's all freaking out and he's like, you know, you know, because at that point Batman uses his last power that he has to give control of the company over to uh, Talia, which you don't know is Talia at the time. Uh, what what is her real? What is the name that she uses? It's a, uh, uh, I forget what it is, but it, not Talia at the time. You don't know that that's her at the time, but. Yeah, she he sleeps with her and then he ends up giving the um the control of the company with this you know really important piece of technology that could have clean energy he trusts her he says you know so Daggett goes what is going on you know this this isn't part of the plan you know and then bane shows up and he's like bane what are you doing you know this is this wasn't part of the plan i was supposed to be control of the company not her and Bane, in this amazing scene, and, and he he and Daggett goes on. He's saying, "You know, I paid you a small fortune to do this. Like you're my mercenary." Miranda Tate. Miranda Tate. That's what. Yes, exactly. So Miranda Tate has control of the company at this time and control of this clean energy project that Bruce Wayne mothballed because he knew it could be turned into a weapon, and so. This this great line, and obviously with Bane's voice and everything that goes along with this. He stands there and he says, you know, I paid you a small fortune. He's a mercenary. He paid you a small fortune to do this. You know, and he just, he doesn't hit him. He doesn't yell at him. He doesn't raise his voice. He just takes the the the, uh, the edge of his hand and he just rests it on his shoulder and he says, so because you paid me, because you have money, because you paid me, this somehow has gives you power over me? And he says, I don't know, something like, well, yeah, or something. And, he's, and he looks at him and he goes, 
do you feel powerful right now? It's like this yeah. whisper that he might as well have been raging Hulk at the time yeah. because it was just like so powerful and so like like demeaning, I, and condescending. Do, do you really like? Do you even understand? Like you're just my pawn in this plan that I have. Couldn't be more insignificant. And then he snaps his neck and he's done. Like that's all. He's like you are. And he think he even meant. He says something like you're no longer useful to me. You were able to accomplish what I needed to do for this great plan. You're like, okay, I thought I knew what Bane wanted to do or what he was a part of, but apparently he's not. And then, turns out, Bane has this giant plan that he goes, kidnaps the uh, board members of Wayne Enterprises, gets access to this nuclear uh, power source, brings that scientist back to arm it, Pulls it out of this, and, and there, like I said, there's so much going on, but try to, uh, and we're trying to unpack this in a way that makes sense. But essentially, think about, uh, think about your battery and a battery charger, and this this giant fuel source uh, was turned into a nuclear weapon, and if it's not in its battery charger, so they removed it from its battery charger. That's the thing that's in the tunnel. The ball, they basically remove it from there. Almost like it, an infinity stone. Yeah. It If it's not in there, it it can't be stabilized. So the whole idea is nobody knows this and nobody understands the technology well enough, but in five months, this is going to go off. This bomb's going to destabilize enough, it's going to decay enough, that it's going off no matter what. It doesn't matter if somebody hits the button. It doesn't matter if... There's they, no kill you know, switch. They, there's nothing. And to further make this worse, they flood the tunnel at the end of the movie and before before everything happens. But they flood the tunnel and there's no way for them to even reconnect it to the power source or to that, to that charger, so to speak, to restabilize it. He goes to uh, the stadium, which I think is great. Heinz Ward is in that scene. I don't know if you knew that. Yep. Yeah, and so they create this whole Gotham rogues or Gotham... Uh, Gotham something. They there's this Gotham team and there's this other team that they play football and it's like this NFL team and and so there's this whole thing where the whole field caves in. Bane explains he's basically holding the the city hostage. He's letting everybody uh, run and do whatever they want. You know, steal from the rich. You know, they've got even this like basically uh, kangaroo court in place with guess who's back. Scarecrow, mm-hmm. to to preside over the whole thing. Um, they even go as far as to demolish all of the bridges. There's no way out of the city. The one bridge they leave, they meet with the military at that point and say, if you let... It, so they, they basically use the military against their own citizens and say, if you let anybody over this bridge, we're going to detonate the bomb. And so he's got everybody by the throat. He knows what's going to happen eventually the city's gonna like he's he's giving them this hope that he's just being cruel and and very you know not you know they they give him this weird false hope and in the meantime before any of this happens bane gets or uh batman gets betrayed by catwoman and brought to bane they have a fight and batman ends up losing and the whole like underlining theme of this movie is that Batman kind of wants to die. Like, he's not afraid of death. He doesn't have anything to live for anymore. 
He's just kind of a... He doesn't have the fight in him anymore. He's just... He's a loose cannon. He just, like some of these yeah. other villains, why they became the villains is they've, they've given up on trying to do right because it's not doing any good. Right. They can't make a difference. He doesn't have that Rachel, to, that Rachel character to live for anymore. And so he gets put in the prison that the story goes back and forth about who is actually in there. You find out to, to try to save some, some time here, but you find out that... Talia, who's Raj al Ghul's daughter, uh, ended up having to go in this prison as, like, punishment to Raj al Ghul. And Bane ends up protecting her and helping her to escape this hell-on-earth prison that has got this, essentially, this tunnel that you can climb up if you feel like you are powerful enough or have enough to get out. And so the whole idea is that Batman's going to have to watch his city tear itself apart no one's ever gotten out of that hole except for one one person has gotten out of that hole ever and and so you hear this whole war of everything batman ends up getting out and there's a symbolism with the bats bats are flying at him it was a goosebump kind of scene it was powerful because he got all these ledges and he finally gets to the last ledge which he's attempted a few times and you fall just all the way back down to the pit if you don't he finally grabs on you hear all the other prisoners cheering and then the bats fly by, and then, you know, he's off. He's got to make a difference. He's got to save Gotham. Right. So he's able to come back, and one of... So they introduced, like I said, the couple characters. Obviously, the technology always plays a part in any Batman movie, any good Batman movie. And he's got... He still has the bat, which is his bat, his Batmobile plane, his bat plane. And this is by far... I mean, the Tumblr's a great... Batmobile, I love it. Oh, I yeah, think it's, it's great. Cool. I think I, I like the 1989 Batmobile. This is by far my favorite Batmobile vehicle. I love this plane. I love what it can do. I love the look of it. Everything is just great. You know the line that when he's escaping with Catwoman and Catwoman says, "You know, uh, my mother warned me not to get in cars with strange men," and he goes, "This is no car or whatever." And then the whole thing with the police chase and you know as he's coming out there, they're, they're like. It's like a rat in a trap, and it just blows past him, and then yeah. he goes, I think you got the wrong animal, sir. And I love the fact that, I don't know if it was the same actor, but I love the fact that, like, that old cop is, like, talking to the rookie, and he's like, oh, you're in for a treat tonight. And he's just like, because he was there when, like, the tumbler blew up and everything awesome. that happened. He's like, yeah, I was, I was in that, like, you know, police squad that we were trying to chase down the Joker, like... We've seen the kind of crap that Batman can do. Like, you're in for a treat, son. Like, it's awesome. Like, that whole scene, like, that, and like I said... So you're going to be more movies. of a fan than a guy who's trying to... Right, right, him. yeah. He, he, he shoots his... So Batman has his, like, you know, explosive gun or whatever that you see in the Dark Knight. And uh, the, his his partner, the rookie, shoots a hole in it. And he, Batman just kind of looks at it and looks back at him. And the, the old guy goes, put that thing away. You're going to hurt yourself or you're going to hurt someone. It's like, like, like they're supposed to be chasing him but it's like really like you're, what are you gonna do you, you know can't, you don't have like, a chance. this is batman and so i love that dialogue and like i said there's so many great lines in that but i just want to just acknowledge the fact that this is an awesome vehicle i love what it is and it ends up playing a huge part because then what happens is batman's able to come in he's able to work with joseph gordon lovett's character he's able to free the cops he's able to get lucius fox back he's able to do all these things to kind of help put together a plan to fight bane and he's fighting bane 
and he and he now he comes back and he's got this purpose for life. He's got this thing that he can fight for, and he ends up uh, hurting Bane. He he rips out one of his uh, ventilator things, and he's just about to. He he's demanding, "Give me the give me the detonator. I know you have it. You would never trust it with anybody else." And then he gets stabbed in the back by Talia, and Talia. Then all of a sudden, it all comes into picture. You know. The League of Shadows. Everything makes sense. Bane's working for the League of Shadows and the whole idea of putting a reset button on Gotham and that that was their plan all along and that Talia Ghul is, you know, Raj Ghul's daughter and there's a whole whole thing that kind of just puts a nice bow on what this franchise was and what it really at the core what it was. And then uh, Catwoman, who like we've talked about before she's flipping back and forth you know she's going back and forth and she comes back and she's working with batman when she had a chance to just escape and she comes in with the bat pod and blows bane away in the meantime talia is able to escape and there's a chase and they were able to ruin the the truck that she's in but now they're in a a a situation where bane is dead talia is dead this nuclear bomb is going to explode in five minutes or two minutes or whatever it is. They cannot reconnect it with the core to stabilize it. The only thing that they can do that Batman does is he takes and puts a winch or whatever, a tow cable on this. And he says to everybody, you know, I need to do this. I need to bring it out into the water or over the ocean, get it away from everybody and then it'll explode, and it won't hurt anybody. Never mind the two boats, that one's full of prisoners and convicts, and one's full of regular pedestrians and civilians, and one of them has control over this bomb, too? That was in the second one. Oh, first, that was it? That was oh, in the second one. Dark Knight? Okay. The Dark Knight, yeah. Yeah, I knew but I yeah, oh, we didn't even But yeah, we didn't even cover that in the yeah, Dark Knight. Like I said, there's so much going on, but yeah. yeah my bad, that, sorry. That, that, whole, that whole scene, yeah. that. But he ends up... T- Saving the day in the, into the sunset. He- Flying off into the sunset. And, and what they talked about before this and the big the, a key plot point is that the autopilot was never fixed. Uh, Lucius Fox has this kind of clever line of, you know, I haven't, I, I, it, it, it takes a, a, a better mind to, to, to fix it. And, and Bruce Wayne's kind of like a better mind. And he's like, okay, well, I was being modest, a less busy mind. <laughs> And so Batman flies off into the sunset with this bomb. As a hero. As a hero, the city cheers, everybody's saved. Uh, you know, and we all assume he's everybody he's demised. Yeah, yeah, that he he went out the martyr's death. He 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 saved the city. When everybody was hating on him, now oh he is the hero after all he saved the entire city. And I pro- this was the first I mean, this in Endgame, uh the death of Tony Stark in Endgame. But this scene and what immediately followed with Bruce Wayne's funeral and Alfred standing in front of his grave and Martha Wayne and Thomas Wayne as you pan out you see this and it's Bruce Wayne Martha Wayne Thomas Wayne yeah, and he talks about how he failed them as a family like I'm just getting chills just talking about it right now yeah. but that was incredibly emotional for me that that, that you you had this it's like oh my gosh like this is the way they're gonna end this like he you know and you it it just stung that much more that 
you know this relationship and the falling out that Bruce, that uh, Alfred has with Bruce Wayne in, in, earlier in the movie, and it's just like it's just so just gut wrenching. You're just like, oh my god, everything's up in the air and no closure whatsoever, and just they make a a, a statue of him. You know, it's like this whole like it feels like the movie's starting to wind down. It's like okay, well that was the way this is going to end, and this is really you know sad. But then slowly pieces start to stack up. Uh, Lucius Fox is talking to one of the guys about the uh, the the bat, the the bat plane, and he says, you know, yeah, you know, they never they never they never fix the uh, uh, autopilot, and he's like, oh, there was a patch done for that, and he's like, what? Like there was a that was fixed. He's like, yeah. He's like, who logged it or what is under? He's like, oh, it was under Bruce Wayne. So like, okay. Well, the autopilot I, was fixed. also to to go back a little in the movie. Alfred at one point says, I hope someday that I see you in a restaurant and we don't have any kind of contact. We just make, yeah. make eye contact and oh, you've gone off and lived your life as a person to right. be happy. And we both go our separate ways without saying a word. Yep, and he and he talks about even in the early yeah earlier in the movie he talks about how that was his fantasy when Batman was gone for those many years. He was hoping that's what was during going on. Batman Begins, and uh, Commissioner Gordon all of a sudden gets like a new bat symbol, and you're just like, what? Like what is going on here? He's like, dead. Why? Well, you know, he's dead. Yeah. What's what's going on? And so yeah, exactly. The very last scene that wraps up the whole franchise, wraps up the movie is that exact scene that they show at the beginning of the movie of... So, Alfred, the way he tells it is, he goes on holiday every year in... Uh, not Tuscany, gosh. Florence. Yeah. yeah every year he goes yeah. in Florence and he orders this drink. It's like... It's got like a... It's kind of like an old-fashioned... It's something along those lines. It's like a whatever drink. And he orders it at this cafe, and he's very specific about where he does this and and how he or what he does. But he says, you know, earlier, I did that every year, and I was hoping that one year my fantasy was, I'd look across the the um, cafe, and I'd see you with with a wife and maybe some kids, and you would look at me, and I would look at you, and we wouldn't say anything, but we would basically, like, we'd know that everything was okay. And the very end of the movie, sure enough, Alfred's sitting there. With his Fernet Bronca. Fernet Bronca, yeah. If anybody knows what that is, sure. let me know. Can't believe he didn't come up Some with that. Some kind of English drink. Um, or Italian, because they're in Florence. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, so sure enough, Alfred's sitting there, you know, the the... The music builds, you know, the, the the Hans Zimmer and everything that he did for this movie. The music builds and the, the do, 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 you know, and everything, everything climaxes. And he looks across, and Batman is sitting there across that's, the table with Selena, woman. with a beautiful woman, with Selena Kyle, and that's how it ends. Cat Dark Knight Rises, you know, credits roll, and it's a perfect way to end this this series. Uh, oh yes, and and also. Uh, one of the things that during this whole, because like I said, it lasts like minutes or so, a lot going on. But one of the things that uh, they allude to is other than his retirement, basically. Yeah, is that he he wants to retire, and then but he's willed some things. He was given some things from Bruce Wayne, and uh, he says, "Oh, you know, whatever the name that he uses during the movie." 
like we don't have anything under that and he's like oh it's under my birth name robin joseph gordon levitt's character yeah and so you've got this okay they tied in robin they tied in a character of robin who helps out batman as a cop and the people had problems with that but he was never at the core of it he's never supposed to be the you know green and red big r on your chest Not robin the cheesy that, version. that was just kind of alluded to it yeah, yeah it, and i like that i like that subtle tie-in but it, then it they, they show him checking out the cave and it's almost like oh yeah will this continue and i forgot about that until re-watching it that they actually kind of left it open to this might be done again uh they they might you know pick up the mantle so to speak with a robin character but from what i've read that's there's no chance of, no especially with joseph gordon levitt because he included yeah. He doesn't want to be involved in a character that can't carry a movie like that, for one thing. And and the reason why, part of the reason why, and I don't think they were ever going to introduce a Robin, but part of the reason why they didn't is I think Christian Bale is part of what his, he has very strong thoughts on it, is he didn't want it to be this campy, you know, Batman Forever, Batman and Robin type of movie where bow, you know, pow, kabammy, you know, this cheesy stuff. Like, he didn't want a Robin character uh, to kind of mess that up, he didn't Gordon want that. Gordon Levin weird... feels the same way. Even yeah. though he would have been the main star, he said the same thing. They they did a good they they did a good job of subtly introducing him. Um, so yeah, and rewatching it, honestly, I think you know I love both of these movies. Uh, you know, I think Batman Begins is definitely number third or number three for me. But rewatching the movie, I think Dark Knight Rises is my number one, followed very closely by The Dark Knight. Um, I don't. Know, I guess. Do you have a preference, or do you just kind of like all? Like I like them all, all of them, and, honestly, and yeah. I, I think because I saw them individually, not knowing that the others were coming out, and I finally just saw Dark Knight Rises. But I thought, I mean, individually, I Dark Knight Rises probably is the most dramatic. Although I love the Joker character and Heath Ledger and how much right. he dedicated himself to that, I, I, I can't say a favorite because I even like the Batman Begins how they develop it, the, the fact that that character is what it is and, and they're just yeah those last two especially they're just different they're both different movies and you like them for different reasons yeah and you can watch them individually and they have you know, they, they stand on their own but all three together are they compare to the mcu at least yeah they did they did a good job of being cohesive and having things tie together it was you know, amazing like yeah. they what they did um so before we, if we move on to kind of some closing things uh any corrections or upcoming things or fan mail do you uh, do you have any other any other thoughts or things that you wanted to cover, Mickey, as far as points of of interest or things that you noticed watching these movies? Well, yeah, I guess I noticed the notes I took because I've been doing that for these podcasts. I got awfully philosophical, and part of me just wondered. It's kind of morbid and and um, grotesque. I wonder why something like this, other than 9-11, hasn't happened in the real world, right. where some kind of organization or mass, you know, some kind of dictator hasn't attempted these kind of things, other than like 9-11, like you say. And I just, like, even when I'm watching The Walking Dead, I find myself wondering how people can be so easily corrupt and all mm -hmm. that stuff. So these are the thoughts that go through my head. And then the other thing I wrote down was, does one have to fear death in order to want to stay alive and, and have these... Right you know, dramatic, I want to save the world kinds of feelings. It's just, that's how well done the movie was that my brain ends up going to these, you know, way out of the box kinds of places. So the fact that a movie can take me there, that's what I love about it. And they, I think it, it, they did a good job of, there's clear goals, there's clear character development, but there's also complexity. Like 
you don't get too complex where they're just shotgunning all over the place of what they want and what their motivations are. But at the same time, there's so much of a complex, complex storyline. Person yeah. with a you know so much going on competing interests. But yeah, a lot of people, a lot of people compared, especially the second one to a post nine eleven world where you've got terrorists organizations like the joker where they don't really i mean i can't believe we forgot to mention this but we talked to you know the big scene in the second one with alfred saying you know i was doing this mission in burma and this uh they were giving out jewels to buy off the locals and we were finding that these caravans were still getting raided and when we went to trace down the jewels they were just giving them to kids and throwing them off the truck they didn't they didn't want them they didn't want they couldn't be bought they weren't oh, motivated yeah. by anything that joker and what he basically then end up, ends up doing is paralleling it there's some people that just want to watch the world burn like and that is a line that's echoed yeah. since since 2008 that's been very much repeated and, and and paralleled and that's what kind of the joker was is this quasi terrorist cell that they, they they're not a country you can't you can't say cold war russia or the communists in north korea like they're not a they don't stand behind a flag or have a motivation even and or that's even what like makes it yeah i mean it's along the lines of that but it, right yeah it, he's a he's a individual. individual that he's just like he says he's he's like a mad dog he didn't he doesn't know what he would do if you caught the 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 car like he like i i, I don't know what to do with it and yeah. he's crazy and that's what makes him so dangerous he doesn't want to kill batman he you he complete me you complete me he's what evil personified. he's got this this insane psychopathic view of life of anarchy but controlled anarchy and he's always playing so that whole i guess and and i was kind of younger when 9-11 happened and everything that the aftermath of that but that's kind of, I guess, there was a lot of fear of that type of the enemy and the things that were going along with that. So I think that they, I think uh, Christopher Nolan tried to draw some parallels with that and what, what that represented and how to kind of represent that in a super Connect character. Connected to the real world, yeah. Right. And he did an amazing job because my head just went crazy thinking about Yeah, stuff yeah, there's a lot of under, underlining themes that, that are going on. So Yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, anything anything else that you wanted to? Uh, as far cover? as the movies, no, I think we're good, and I okay. I'm gonna go ahead and say we didn't make any mistakes in the last episode, <laughs> and that's yeah. probably a mistake that I made in this episode by right. just saying that we're liars about lying. So, <laughs> uh, but we did have a couple fan mail, uh, so let me let me uh, go back here. So we've got we've got two. Uh, so I'm not going to use last names, but we got a Michael uh, who, who wrote in and said, and Michael, if you're listening, thank you for contributing. Uh, reached out to us on Facebook as well. How you doing, man? Uh, hey, guys. Great podcast. Enjoyed all the episodes here at work today. Uh, talks about he, he's probably going to be starting his own podcast uh, and would like to do kind of a crossover uh, he's talking about. Uh, he knows a lot of movies. A letter letterbox account. He, he talks about how he's he sees uh, a lot of movies, hundreds of movies a year, and, and there's this letterbox. What I didn't know about this is an app is kind of unique that you kind of track what you've seen, you kind of rank them. Yeah, it's kind of a social media style of, but specifically for movies that you've seen. Um, you know, and he just talks about that and how that kind of could be a good tool. Uh, 
like like I said, he, he sounds like he's enjoying what we're doing and he'd love to do a, a podcast or talk with us future in movies. So, yeah, definitely. If you, any of you out there would like to do that, reach out to us, let us know, because that, that would definitely, we'd, we'd love to do, we can, we can do that with the low tech that we do have. We can do a call in uh, to call somebody and have an interview. So. I told Reed at work that, we're gonna have him as a featured guest one day because he was okay. talking about the Joker movie. Okay. Yeah, and that that we'll get to that in just a minute. But yeah, the the uh, the Joker movie in DC Comics are coming. But yeah, if if you guys have anything like that, you know, like we love to hearing this, seeing that you guys are interested. Um, I got another email from uh, a guy named Alex. It said, "Great show." Love the show, you guys. As a fellow podcaster and geek, I really like what you're doing. Star Wars is near and dear to me, and I'd like to hear your guys' take on it. Let me know if I can do anything to help you out with your content creation or audience growth. Keep up the good work. Can't wait to hear more. Uh, so I love you, Star Wars fans. <laughs> yeah, so but a couple Star Wars fans that have been emailing in. So thank you guys again. Uh, rate and review uh, Monty and Mickey at gmail.com, uh, M O N T Y A N D M I C K E Y at gmail.com. Yeah, I gotta stop myself every time. Um, go ahead and let us know what you think. If you, if you have any, uh, episode ideas, we threw around the idea. We'll, we'll see. Cause it's been a month. It's been over a month since the last one. So we'll see. That's why we have. this one's a little longer. Cause yeah. it's been a while. We'll see what we have for availability and at the end of this month and in October, but uh, we're thinking about doing more of like a horror or Halloween theme for, for the next month, at least one or two episodes kind of covering that. And we're going into the holiday season, and I, I, I like to – I love that when you when you have podcasts and TV shows that have those holiday specials. So and we'll probably we'll try to do that. multiple shows or movies, like maybe even bringing The Walking Dead. I like the Saw franchise right. myself, at least the first few until they overkilled it. Yeah. Um, but any suggestions as far as possible movies or shows we can include that, we can make it a big – you know, yeah, melting pot it, of all these brought together. Do a little bit of you know talk about yeah, I like this about the Scream franchise or the you know the Jason franchise, you know yeah. those those types of things. Um, yeah, so in the future, uh, so we we mentioned should have mentioned this at the beginning. Yeah, there's Joker movie. I guess this would be the most immediate like superhero comic book style movie. Looks great. Um, that's coming out that we would be interested in uh, moving forward, and. Yeah, we'll we'll probably I'll probably see this in the theater. I, I think that I'm interested enough in it about it. But uh, so Joaquin Phoenix, uh, he was in a couple different movies, The Gladiator and some other movies. But walk the line. Apparently, uh, this movie had some test screenings, and it was received so well that it had like a six or eight minute standing ovation after the test screening well i'll go see it with you yeah it it uh it has gotten very good reviews furthermore for the people that the test screening of the people that did actually get to see it early which uh if anybody knows how to get that job uh let me know because we would definitely be interested in pre-screening these movies yeah uh but i guess from those people who were able to rank it on like imdb or whatever of all like i'm not like just talking Batman movies or DC movies, of all of the superhero comic book movies that have come out so far, and this is Dark Knight, Dark Knight Rises, Avengers, Infinity War, Endgame, all those, it is ranked number one overall. And it's a villain movie. It's a villain movie that doesn't Stands directly alone. tie into any of the other DCEU. Uh, so we will most likely be doing a podcast it episode looks, on it that. It looks amazing just um, by the previews alone. So yeah, let us know what you think. If you guys go and see it, let us know what you think as well or what, you, what you'd what you like to see. Uh, there's there's a ton of content coming out. I think 
we're really, and I've talked about this before, but I truly believe we're in this very good sweet spot of probably backing up maybe five to 10 years ago up until now. And it's probably going to continue till I don't know when, but this really nice uh, couple decades worth of like really, really good. Like they started to figure out what works for superhero and comic book movies. And I think that they're, they're starting to expand on that and seeing what that means um, and yeah, so we'll, we'll see, we'll see, they're talking about a Batwoman with Kirsten Stewart, which, come on guys, you no. just, you just cast, you know, Edward for the freaking Batman movie, yeah. and now, so, so, okay, so of course you're gonna make, you know, the other co-star of the Twilight movies, mm-hmm. and so that, so that might be a thing, that, yeah. it's just, that was announced like yesterday, but. Um, and even like a Robin and a Batgirl stand. So there's a lot that, that could be happening in the future. And then on top of everything that Marvel's done. Um, but, uh, but yeah, that's all I've got for today. Like I said, it went a little bit longer, but, uh, it's been a while. So that other than that, I guess, I mean, like you say, we'll be possibly doing a Halloween episode and maybe to take focus off just movies and TVs at some point we'll be, um, doing the collect collectibles and stuff. Yeah. Focusing more on that, you know, cause we're trying to do all things pop culture yeah collectibles memorabilia we'll probably even uh touch on some uh you know uh video games and other things uh vr the switch you know other other things that kind of tie into all of that pop culture geeky superhero type of type of genre of things that like you know most people who are reading or watching superhero movies are probably also playing video games and collecting some sort of memorabilia and with the colder weather coming Whoopee! Yeah. What chances are our podcast will be a little more frequent, just because yeah. you know the the times and the weekends will be winding down. Yeah. Yeah, and we'll yeah, so we'll try to we'll try to do because we enjoy this. We you know like I yeah, said, once it's been a while, it, a but um, we we enjoy the feedback. Rate and review us if you if you like what you hear. Uh, but yeah, that's all I got today. Anything anything else? Good good to, good to me. Uh, so as we always like to say to to close out every time. Getting old is mandatory. But growing up is optional. Thanks, guys. What's going on?